22, Joe. Fourteen through twenty, I think. Let's stand and read the word together. Ready? When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table. And he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks. And he said, take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took the bread, he gave thanks and broke it. And he gave it to them saying, this is my body for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Thank you, Lord. And um, this morning as I was praying about this time of us partaking of communion. You can sit down. So I was praying about communion this morning, and what I felt like the Lord said is that when he, we know that when he had communion with his disciples in this scripture, that it was right before they took him to be crucified. This was That's why they call it the Last Supper, right? And what I felt like he was saying this morning is that so many people, I know I've been one of them over the years, and them to this day, where I think, Lord, I can't take communion because I'm not worthy. I, I've sinned. I sin every day. I sin so many times a day, and I fail you. And you gave your blood, and you gave your body for me to be forgiven. And, and when I take communion, Lord, because of my failure, Lord, I, I can't do it because I, I don't want to disappoint you. I don't want to be appreciative or loving or in awe of what you've done and we take on guilt and we take on what we actually take on is religious guilt but I want you to notice something I think this is what Jesus was saying and this is what he spoke to me this morning in this portion of scripture 
He was talking to the people who were his disciples. And we also know that one of them was Judas, right? And we know that Judas actually betrayed Jesus. He gave Jesus up for um, coins, for money. He betrayed him with a kiss. And that's how they found Jesus. But he was there. And Jesus didn't say, when, he, when they did communion, he, he was speaking to all his disciples, including Judas. And he said, you have to partake of me. This is me. This is my blood, my body. And he didn't say, okay, let's spend some time in repentance. And trust me, we believe in this church, in the word of God, that repentance is key to our life with Jesus. It's key to our life on this earth. To, it's a gift. Repentance isn't a punishment. It's a gift. It's not a shaming. It's a privilege. We can go and just say, God, forgive me. Please forgive me. Help me today. And we should say that every single day. Because what the Bible says, our righteousness is filthy rags. Even if we're good, we're bad <laughs> compared to his holiness. But I think what he wants people to know, he wants his people who've said, Jesus, I believe you died on the cross. I believe you rose again for me so that I could have eternal life. I could have life eternal with you. Our bodies will die, but our spirits will never die when we believe in Jesus. And he was just taking this time with his disciples, his followers, his brothers. And he was just saying, here, this is my last chance. Take this wine, and this represents my blood. Take it and divide it among you. And he said, take this bread. This represents my body. And they had to be wondering still, even though he talked to them about it before, that he was going to have to suffer among the Pharisees. And he told them he was going to have to go through these things. But they had to be looking at each other like, is this the time? Is this the time? And what he was doing is offering himself up as the Lamb of God. Because it was Passover, and he was going to be the final Lamb. But what he wants us to know this morning, he, you know, don't, so many people, some people won't even take communion because they're like, I can't, I sinned. We've all sinned. We've all sinned. It says it in the word, we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. But we're not taking it because we're good. We're not taking it because we're holy. We're taking it because he loves us. And he wants us to partake of him, his body. His body broken for us. His body broken for the broken. So that we could be healed. His body broken for those this morning in our community who are broken when they think about the young girl who took her life. 
this week in our community. And, and we're broken. We're broken, Jesus. And you knew, Lord, that our life would be filled with brokenness. But every single crack, every single pain, every single wound, he died for so that we could be healed. And so, Lord, we just take your body this morning, this bread that represents your body, and we hold it up to you, Jesus. And, Lord, you, you want that all should be saved. All people, you desire that every single person would be saved, redeemed, forgiven, that they would partake, that they would know you as their father and their savior. And Lord, we, we take this body this morning, just hold it up to the Lord, just hold it up to him. He, he doesn't care. He, he doesn't want you to feel guilty. He doesn't want you to feel that you cannot partake. If you have given your heart to him, if you have said, Jesus, I believe in you, then you just need to partake of his body broken for you, for your healing. And Lord, as we partake together today, we pray over our community in the name of Jesus. We pray over Owego. We pray over, Lord, these families who have lost a precious daughter, a precious child. And Father, we pray for the brokenness, that it would be healed in the name of Jesus. And that we would keep our eyes on our Savior. We would keep our eyes on you, Lord. And so we break the bread together this morning. Just break it in your fingers because that's what he told them to do. And we're going to partake together because he loves us. Let's partake of his body. As we partake together, Lord, we just expect your healing to come over our lives, over our families, over our friends. Lord, heal the brokenness. Jesus, thank you for coming. Thank you for putting your body on the cross as a sacrifice for us. For our healing we praise you we praise you lord and then it says that he took the cup and he said this is my blood the blood of the new covenant the blood of forgiveness the blood of redemption because no longer were they going to have to sacrifice a lamb to be forgiven. Because he is the lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And we hold this cup up before you, Jesus. Hold your cup up. And we just lift it to you and we say thank you for the blood. 
Thank you for forgiveness. Thank you for the gospel of Jesus that we can be forgiven by the blood that was shed. Hallelujah. And we partake together in obedience and remembrance of you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. And we just pray, God, over these people here today, over the kids. Lord, those who couldn't be here, Lord, we pray for those that need uh, healing and forgiveness this morning, the love of Jesus to be poured over them. Lord, we believe in what you're going to do. We believe in what you're going to do, Lord, as we have, Lord, partaken with you, your body and your blood. Be in us today. Rise up in us, O oh God, that we would be your light to this world. And we praise you and we thank you. And everyone said, Amen. 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 Grace, you want to come on down? Time to take up an offering. I left mine in the chair. Thank you, Lord. God's been good, amen. God is good all the time. And I'm telling you, he's been moving a lot in our finances, and one of these days we'll testify to that. Well, Julie and I will both testify what God's been doing. He's done some great and mighty things. So we give God all the glory. And I just want to tell you, you know what? There's no better place, and even Joe can testify to this, our sound man back there, son-in-law, that uh, when you're given to God and to his kingdom, it's amazing what happens. It's a, it's a supernatural principle that, that is just opens the door in your life opens the door in your finances for him to move and do great things, things above and beyond what you can ever imagine. So, you know, we don't want to pass up any opportunity for anybody to be blessed, and that's why we do these offerings every week. It's not that we, we don't need them, God doesn't need them, but we want you to be blessed. So, Father, we just thank you and we praise you for this tithes and offerings that you're bringing into this church. Lord, we thank you and we praise you, Lord, for just for your supernatural outpouring and blessing that you've been doing in our family. And I just pray that you would continue to do that. I pray that you would continue to bless us as we want to just turn around and bless you with our tithes and our giving, Lord God. And Lord, we pray that you would have your way with them. And Lord, we just pray this and we pray your blessings over each person here in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Grace has been my usher for oh, about 10 years now, I'd say, huh, Grace? Yeah, it's pretty amazing. So I think that my wife stole my sermon this morning when she was, she always does every week, every time. It's amazing. It's like I come down here in, in the morning early and get everything all put together, what the Lord thinks she's been talking to me about and sharing. And then she comes down and she just like is like the she sneaks in here somehow and looks over my shoulder as I'm writing all this down. But 
But God is good, amen? So the title of my sermon is Repent, <laughs> right? And prepare the way for the Lord. You know, I got saved here in this church. Oh, back in 19, it had to be 1994 that I was saved. And I'm not going to go into the park bench story for Caleb, so we'll share him. We'll share that story later. But you know one thing that is, is great, and, and one thing, ever since I became a believer in Christ Jesus, ever since I, ever since I put my faith in the Lord, and, and you know that, I know I can still remember the first year I was just going through reading the Bible, trying to get as much information out of there as I possibly could. Because as a kid, I didn't grow up in the church. But I've always said since reading the Bible, and I think God is, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm a simple, I, you know, I think things simply and I try to uh, comprehend things that the Lord is doing. And I know the Lord wants to make things easy and simple to understand because the gospel is really easy and simple to understand. But ever since I've been saved, and every time I think of Jesus' return, how many here you guys, how many here think of Jesus' return? That Jesus is going to come back. How many believe that Jesus is coming back? Right? All of us. So we think of these things. And, and when I first got saved, I started thinking of these things. You know what? Jesus, when he comes back, it's going to be like when he came in the first place. Right? God setting up his kingdom here on earth. And I've always had this very strong feeling that it would be like the days of John the Baptist. When John the Baptist was the forerunner for Christ. That before God sets up his throne here on earth, the earth has to be prepared, right? Not just the earth, but we have to be prepared. We have to, we, our hearts have to be right with God. We have to be ready for his coming. And I, and I believe, just like there was in John's days, that there's going to be people that are going to be doing this, that are going to be forerunning, that are going to be preaching the same exact message. Because the gospel is the same. Jesus, God, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He hasn't changed. And I've always thought, just before Jesus' return, there are going to be people out there going to be repenting, preaching, preaching repentance, for the kingdom of heaven is near. And I really, feel, I really feel strongly about that. But I don't know about you, but when I haven't heard many people preaching on repentance at, in the pulpit. You know, I have not heard many people, I've heard a lot of people preaching on prosperity and, you know, praise and worship. But when it comes to repentance, it's not like it's a popular thing to preach upon. I haven't heard too many sermons on repentance. Telling people that they're in error. <laughs> Is it, have you ever... Enjoyed being able to tell somebody that they're in error? Really? Think about it. Yeah. 
<laughs> I won't say anything. But it's not an easy thing to do to correct somebody, is it? Or to, or to kind of tell them, listen, you're going down the wrong path. This is the path you need to go down. This is, you know, you're headed to destruction. And I don't want you to go to destruction. Not construction, destruction. <laughs> but it's not easy correcting people. You know, you're not going to gain many friends that way. And maybe that's why many prophets were loners. They were, you know, look at Elijah. He's, he, he, he lived in a cave, you know, that he had. But what we need to do, and we need to be praying for all the time, is discernment. We all need to repent. As my wife said earlier, we all need to repent. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. Every single one of us here have sinned. There's not one that is blameless. We all need to be washed by the blood of Jesus. And that's what we just partook in, partaken of with the communion. We all need to be right with God. All of us. Because there will be a day that's called Judgment Day that we will all be judged by God. And it's by God's standards that we will be judged. And we want God to look at each one of us. And I want God to look at each one of you and say, Well done, my good and faithful servant. Come over here on this side. We don't want to hear the words, Depart from me, I never knew you. Because really, at the end of our days, there's only two options. There is no other options. There's two, heaven or hell. But we, God, is such a gracious and loving God, he's not going to impose any of that on any of us. He gives us the free will to choose. Amen? And that's one thing that's, you know, when you, when, as a Christian, I think, you know, a lot of people, when they hear the word repentance, you know, they say, oh, you're religious. Oh, you're, oh, that's a religious statement. You're just being religious when they hear the word. Oh, I live by grace. I live under grace. Well, grace is not, grace doesn't give us the authority or doesn't give us the right to go out and keep living lives as heathens, right? That's not what grace is about. It's by God's grace we've been saved, his mercy, his sacrifice. And as Christians, repentance is, should be a great word. Repenting, repentance should be something praised and it should be something that we should look at every day. Because I guarantee you, Every day, I know every day that I need to repent for something. You know, I don't know about you, but every day I put my foot in my mouth. Every day I, I need to say I'm sorry. You know, and some days I don't. And some days I, do, I don't say I'm sorry or repent as fast as I should. But repentance is just a great thing. Do you know what the definition of repentance is? It's the action 
Now think about this. Listen to these words. The action of repenting. Sincere regret or remorse. So repentance is an action. You actually have to do something. Right? An action requires you to do something. One, we have to acknowledge that we're all in error or that we're in error. And then we have to do something to make it right. So biblically, biblically, it would be the act of leaving what God has prohibited. Listen to that. Leaving what God has prohibited. Leaving sin. You leave sin. And you return to what God has commanded us. Right? God went to the cross for each one of us here. Every one of us. He died for us on the cross. He died so that we could be in right standing with him. He was the final sacrifice for our sin. He was the perfect sacrifice. Jesus, who knew no sin, the Bible says, who committed no sin, who thought no sin, went to the cross for us. His blood was shed. An innocent man's blood was shed. Think about that. An innocent man's blood was shed for you and for me. So that we can spend eternity with Christ. If you read your Bible, ultimately in the end, returning to God is what really takes place. All humanity either returns to God or is separated from God forever. We leave everything as Christians, we leave everything and we follow God with all our heart, with all our strength, with all our soul, with all our mind. And in the end, we end up with him in eternity. We return to him like before the Garden of Eden, before, they even, before Adam and Eve knew sin or committed sin. We return to God. Do you know there's really five steps in repentance? First, we must recognize that we're sinners. And we must recognize our sins. We must admit to ourselves that we have sinned. That's number one. Number two is we must feel sorrow for our sins. We must have remorse, regret. Number three is that we must forsake our sins. That's the action part. That means turning away from your sin and turning toward God. Turning away from what God has prohibited and turning toward what God has commanded. It's an action. This is where a lot of people don't want to go. Because a lot of people, they get into sin and sometimes sin feels good, sin is fun. And they don't want to let it go. But they don't realize that it's all really just a lie and it's going to get you into deep trouble. And in the end can cost you your life. Which is the most important thing 
There really is, is your eternity. Amen? So we must forsake our sin. In other words, we must leave it. And we have to turn toward God. And forsaking it means that we don't pick it back up again. Right? Now I'm going to tell you there's a real adversary out there and in the Bible it calls him the devil. There's powers and principalities all around. Those are his demons all around. And they're, they're alive and they're real. If you, believe, if you believe in God, then you believe that there are demons also. And those, those demons, those powers, those principalities, those authorities in high places, they come against you and they start right here in your mind. And they put thoughts in your mind. They're like really good fishermen. <laughs> As they cast out their poles and they keep casting, casting, casting until they, they try to get a hook set on you. And once they get a hook set on you, then they can land you. That's how the devil works. He's always worked that way for thousands of years, 6,000 years since the Garden of Eden. It was all about a temptation. To be like God. You can be like God just by eating this apple or eating this fruit of the tree. You can be like God by taking part of this tree of good and evil. That God says he doesn't want you eating it because he doesn't want you to be like him. That's what the devil will say. And that's the same thing he uses. He just uses it in different contexts each time. It's the same tricks. The same old devil, Lucifer, Slufa, whatever you want to call him. He will come and tempt you. That's why, that's why when we do get tempted by God, we say no to sin. Because we don't want, first of all, we don't want to sin. Nobody here wants to just go out and blatantly sin and hurt God, right? Or hurt your relationship with the Lord. <laughs> unless you know unless you really are bad <laughs> you don't want to just go out and sin because you don't want to hurt your family either or your friends or your relationships and that's what happens or yourself we must forsake our sin. We must leave our sins. We must leave our sins, pick up our cross, and follow Christ. Number four is we must confess our sins. We must speak out what we did to God and ask Him for forgiveness. And I would encourage people, if you're in sin, that you find somebody that you can really trust, who care, who really cares for and loves you, and share it with them, so that way you have an accountability system. And that way you got somebody there that can help you through your problems. That can say, hey, I'm struggling with this thought again. I'm struggling with this addiction. I'm struggling here. I'm struggling with drinking. I'm struggling with alcohol. I'm struggling with pornography. I need some help. You know, the devil's throwing this stuff in my mind again at me. 
I don't want it. I don't want any part of it. So can you pray for me? But you find somebody that you can really trust. Who's not going to go out and gossip about you. Or your struggles. Because I guarantee you this. Everybody has struggles in some form or another. So you must confess your sins. Confess to God. God, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have seen that. I shouldn't have drank that. I shouldn't have gotten involved with this. Help me. I don't want it. Take it away from me. Number five is we must make it right. We must make our sin right. We must say we're sorry. Right? Most of the time, I get in an argument with my wife or something, and, uh, and I do not immediately say I'm sorry because I get so angry and upset, and I know it's wrong. I need to make it right. And let me tell you, the longer you wait to make things right, the harder it really is. And it's really not hard to say you're sorry. I mean, those words, have they ever hurt anybody? I'm sorry. No, they've made people feel good. And they take a burden off your shoulders. You get rid of this feeling of guilt. The Bible says to us in Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and fell short of the glory of God. All of us. All have sinned. Romans 3.23. All have sinned. All is everybody. There are no exemptions from all. There's only one person that ever walked this earth that has never sinned, and that is Jesus Christ. Because Jesus was all God. And he's the only way. No human could have ever done it. In 1 John 1, 9. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just. And will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Did you hear that? So there's hope. For all of us, we have hope. We're not hopeless cases. We have hope. And our hope is in Jesus Christ. That's what Everything, everything, all of Christianity, all of humanity hinges on Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No man goes to heaven except through him. There's no other way to get there but through Jesus. And we have to confess our sins. And guess what? It says he's faithful. He's just. He will forgive us our sins. And purify us from all unrighteousness. So why not let it go, right? Get rid of it. Don't let the enemy have a hook in you. That he can reel you in. And trap you. Or make you feel trapped. See, that's what happens with the devil. Is that he makes you feel like you're trapped. He makes the guilt feel so strong upon you that there's no way out. There's always a way out. The Bible says it clear that there is no temptation that has seized me except what is common to man. 
And God is faithful. What is God? He's faithful. Let's say it. What is God? He's faithful. And what? Just. He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. When there is a temptation, he will provide a way out for you. So I guarantee you every situation that you ever get into your life where you feel like you should not be there, then you probably shouldn't be there. And, if, and then there will be a way for you to get out from under that. Right? It's simple. Just by leaving. Just by turning. Turning from sin and turning toward God. Right? Saying no. And then leave. Almost every situation that you get in your life, there will be a way out. You just got to look for the door. You got to look to where God is leading. But only Jesus, only Jesus can forgive sins. Only Jesus can purify us. We have to go through him. His blood that washed away all my sins. What is that? How does that song go? What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is my soul. How precious is your soul? How precious is it? Very. How precious is his blood that washes white as snow? Very. Jesus is the only one that can wash away our sins. And you know what it says in the Bible? Jesus is at the right hand of God right now because Jesus ascended, right? He descended, came down as, as a baby, born, in, uh, born through a virgin, <clears throat> walked the earth for 33 years, started his ministry at the age of like 30, preached for three years, setting the captives free, preaching the kingdom of heaven is here, coming. He actually said, preach that it's here. Set the caps free, healed people, delivered people. <clears throat> drove out all kinds of demons. Went to the cross as a perfect sacrifice. Ascended up into heaven after 40 days after his crucifixion. Being raised from the dead on the third day. Walked the earth for 40 days. You know, and then ascended into heaven, and he's at the right hand of God. And what is he doing up there? He is interceding for you. You know what that means? He is interceding for you. He is praying. Think about that. God, right now, Jesus is praying right now for you to the Father, interceding. What a great God we have. You know, our Christianity really starts with repentance. 
It really starts with getting, getting rid of the world and accepting Jesus Christ. It really starts off with repentance. When we're getting right with God. And I really believe that when Jesus makes his return again, that there is going to be such an outpouring of repentance, such a hunger, such a hunger for repentance, that there, there, are, going to be, there are going to be forerunners going out there saying, repent for the kingdom of God is near. And we know that it's near by everything that's going on in the world. We know that it's near, but there's going to be such an outcry for repentance of people wanting to get their hearts right with God because of the things they're going to see, things they're going to hear, and things they're going to experience in their life. And what the greatest thing is is that you guys have been born for such a time as this. You're going to see these things, I believe, unfold. I believe everybody in this room is going to see Jesus coming on the, on the clouds. We'll all hear the trumpet blast, the angels descending, Jesus on the clouds. John the Baptist was the forerunner for Jesus. I believe we're going to have those again. Crying out, repent for the kingdom of God of heaven is near. A voice of one calling in the desert. This is actually in um, Matthew. Chapter 3, I believe. Matthew chapter 3, verses 1 through uh, 3, I believe. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the desert of Judea, saying, Repent! For the kingdom of heaven is near. This is he who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah. A voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight paths for him. Amen? We're all called to preach this same message. Every one of us here is called to preach this message of what John. Repent for the kingdom of God is near. Prepare your hearts. Don't harden your heart, but prepare it. Prepare your family. Prepare your friends by sharing the good news of the gospel, by sharing what Jesus has done. The gospel is really simple. Repent, get right with God, ask Jesus into your heart, forsake all your sin, turn to him, and he'll make your path straight. I'm going to tell you the greatest decision I ever made in my life the greatest decision was to follow Jesus. And the greatest gift that I could ever give any of my kids or grandkids or son-in-laws is for them to know Jesus Christ. The greatest gift. It's the only gift that's going to last. All these other gifts are going to perish and be gone. God has promised us to never leave us or forsake us. Believe his word. Don't let it depart from your hearts. Hold on to Jesus with all you got. Do what's right. And then when you fall, get right back up. Ask for repentance. Ask, make things right. Make your wrongs right. Be quick to repent. 
For heaven is approaching. Amen? Be quick to repent. Make things right. Do what's right. Those are some huge choices that we have to make throughout our lives. Because we have choices every day to make. Choose to do what's right. And make the right choices. And when you make the wrong ones, recognize it, repent from them, and then get things right with God. And then make the wrong ones right. Amen? So, Father, I think... That if anybody here wants to get their life right with God, that you should come down here and me and Grandma will pray for you. <laughs> My wife is shaking her head. Me and Julie will pray for you. If you don't know Jesus, today's the day. If you want to have Jesus in your heart, be sure of your eternity. Then make a stand today. Don't wait. So, Father, I just thank you, Lord, and praise you for this day. I thank you for all who are here. I pray that you would bless them. Bless those that are hearing. Lord God, I just want to open up this altar to you, Lord God, for people to come down and, and lay everything they have at your feet. Lord God, if we need healing, come down for prayer. If you want to get your life right with God, come on down. Lord Jesus, I thank you. Praise you for what you're doing. I give you all the glory, Lord, for, for all the things you've done. Lord, you've never failed me yet. And Lord, you've promised that you'll never fail me or forsake me or leave me. And I believe that with all my heart. And I just pray your blessings over this day, over your people. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Amen.